Veterans Path, helping veterans find peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor through practical tools like meditation and mindfulness, physical and outdoor experiences, and a community of camaraderie. I'm John McCaskill, a Navy SEAL commander turned mindfulness teacher. Here on the Veterans Path podcast, I interview veterans, athletes, corporate leaders, and many others who found peace through the practices of meditation and mindfulness, breaking down the stigma of pursuing mental health and making it a priority, improving and saving lives. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. I'm John McCaskill, your host, and thanks for tuning in to the Veterans Path Podcast. This podcast is just a piece of what we do. Veterans Path is actually a nonprofit working to introduce veterans and active service members to meditation and mindfulness, typically in outdoor settings, so they can rediscover a sense of peace, acceptance, transformation, and honor. And that's where the word path in our name comes from. And the point of this podcast is to make people more aware of what we do to increase support of Veterans Path, increase attendance at our retreats so we're able to help more veterans, and finally, to reduce the stigma around mindfulness and meditation and seeking mental health support. Listeners and viewers, if you're enjoying the show, please give us a review or a like and share the show with anyone and everyone you think could benefit from our message. Also, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Hey, today my guest is retired Navy SEAL Master Chief Steve Drum. Steve served 27 years in the Navy, during which he developed and led high-performance teams in combat at every level and in the most challenging and extreme environments. He was a principal architect of the U.S. Navy's Warrior Toughness Program and now works as a speaker and consultant, where he has helped organizations such as CDW, Horizon Therapeutics, Zurich Insurance, and Nine Energy create simple and effective strategies for developing peak-performing leaders and leaders and teams. <laughs> Apparently I need some help there, Steve. So we're going, to learn, <laughs> we're going to learn a lot more about Steve, his time in the SEAL teams, his work on the Navy's Warrior Toughness Program and what he's doing now. And that's all here in today's episode of the Veterans Past Podcast. All right, welcome back. As mentioned in the intro, my guest today is retired Navy SEAL Master Chief Steve Drum. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, thanks. I hope that's not contagious. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on, John. Great to see you again. Great yeah. to obviously catch up, you know, before we started the episode. And, Definitely. And it's good. Definitely, it's been a little man. while. Yeah. So, yeah, what's been going on, man? How, how have you been? I mean, I caught you up on a little bit about what I've been up to, but yeah, catch me up on what you've been doing, how you're doing, and what's, uh, what's new with you. You know, within the framework of the COVID-19 situation, I have to say that I'm, I'm doing quite well. Uh, every day, I, I I definitely reflect on how fortunate I am and how lucky I am that we're doing okay. Everybody's healthy. Um, wife's got a job. You know, I'm doing some stuff, and, and and it's good. You know, it's the kids are being led, fed, educated within our walls, and you know, it's not perfect. You know, I you definitely, you know, you can kind of had you know when you have a teenager. My son's 14. You can kind of just have you can kind of just see that just chomping to just do something the boredom, you know, but, but thank God this happened now vice, you know, like when we were kids, right. With nothing. Dude, yeah. So I can't they, at least they have that. They can connect with their friends. They can play video games with their friends. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's not too bad for them either. And so I think, you know, they're in a good 
state of emotional health overall. And I, I'm staying busy, um, you know, developing content, I'm working with organizations, uh, discussing, you know, leadership and really kind of things specific to how to kind of cope and how to lead, you know, both in the home and outside of the home during, during this challenging time. So I'm busy. Yeah, man. Well, you must have read my notes already because uh, that was like one of my first questions is with having developed the Navy Toughness program that we're going to get into quite a bit uh, later. Um, what, what are some tips that you may have for some of our listeners on how to deal with the mental stressors that come with this, this COVID-19 pandemic and the isolation that's associated with it? You know, one of the, if you ever hear me talk or you see my content, I'm really big and, I, and I'm sure John, you can relate to this, you know, being a military guy. I'm really, I don't believe in looking at one element of something and saying, all right, well, if I just do, you know, if I just mastered this one thing, then, then everything's going to be great. I think of looking at everything within the overall framework of the challenge. And so within that framework, we need to apply a process or, you know, apply, you know, a specific framework to meet that challenge. And so if you're looking at like, hey, how do I, either as a, as a business leader, how do, how do I pivot? How do I adapt to meet, you know, the new reality? Or, or how, do I, how do I make sure that I'm more present and effective and intentional in my decisions within my own walls, within my house, then, then we need to look at the big picture. We need to look at all the different things to make sure that we're providing balance in the different areas, okay? You know, for those of us who are not directly in the fight right now, we may have, we may be able to look at this as, as, a, as a gift, uh, a gift of time that we have, especially when we have kids at home. We are able to now spend more time with them than we ordinarily would. My, I'd never see my son right now. If we, if he was out and about, I'd never see him. He'd be with his friends. He'd be at sports. And so now it's like a little bit more time to engage in terms of the mental game. And we'll get into this. I'm sure it is making sure that we're very intentional with the fact that we do need to lean into things that give us strength. And obviously, you know, meditation and mindfulness are a big part of that as are other performance psychology skills that we can bring to bear. And then just another big thing, I'm really big on reflection. I'm really big on making sure that periodically, episodically, that you're, you're stepping back, that you're pulling back, and you're kind of taking stock of what you've done this, this work day, this week, how effectively you have divided your time, how, you know, how effective you've been in all the different areas that are important. Uh, so reflection is a huge part. But just really being more intentional on how you look at being ready for what's to come. Uh, you know, because we're in the mix, we're on the X, as we say in the SEAL teams right now, the bullets are flying or we're feeling the stressors, you know, that's, you know, some hyperbole, but it depends on, you know, where you are specifically, but nevertheless, we're all impacted. And sure. so we've got to have the, we've got to make the choices to deal with now, but, but we also have to start thinking ahead. We have to think ahead towards different time periods, right? We have the here and now, this chaos. And then, you know, depending on what state you're in, obviously, right. You're yeah, going to start dipping yeah. your toes back into, into working into re-engaging. And so there's that transition piece and we need to kind of apply certain skills and things for that. And then of course, let's look ahead towards how do we be ready when we start to get that, albeit different environment, but we start to start think we have a sense of stability. And so now it's going to be that nor that that relaxed, more uh, normalcy that we have to contend with. Yeah, yeah, right on, man. And I love that 
you know, you kind of reframe things. A lot of people that you see on, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, there's a lot of memes talking about how ready people are to get their kids back to school or to get them out of the house. And, you know, if you reframe it as an opportunity to spend time with your kids, I mean, I've got the two little ones downstairs. As a matter of fact, you may even hear them later during the, during the podcast because I'm, now I'm recording from home unlike normal. But, uh, you know, it is, it is an opportunity because I have, I've gotten a chance in between, you know, or during breaks, I get downstairs and I take the kids out for a walk or, or whatever. And, you know, otherwise I wouldn't have had that time. And if I can take a look at it as an opportunity, that resets your mind for everything and you can really appreciate things for what they are for, for our listeners, um, Steve, uh, or, or drummy as, as he's known to in, in teams, we served together at seal team 10. And, and the last time I saw drummy, he was actually in great lakes and he was kind of in charge of what, what was called the uh, dive motivator program. Um, and then the last time we spoke on the phone, I, I don't know, maybe a year ago, drummy, uh, you were leading the warrior toughness program for the Navy. So I'm super excited to have you on the show uh, for our listeners to hear more about um, that, the Warrior Toughness Program, and, uh, and the aspect of mindfulness that is a part of that, uh, that definitely want to touch on. So I want to go back in time before we get to all that. So got a couple of questions here. 27 years in the Navy. Um, what made you decide to join the Navy of all the services? And did you jump straight into the SEAL teams uh, when you did come into the Navy? Yeah, so I knew, you know, as a, as a young kid, it wasn't like really what I was raised with. My parents weren't really big, you know, military people. It's not really the, what they would have chosen for me. But I always had, you know, a connection to service, a connection to kind of the military. I just, from an early age, I kind of knew that that was really where my path was going to be. And within that, I wanted to do something kind of, you know, special, like do the selection process, serve with some sort of an elite unit. And I was kind of looking towards the Green Berets or Army Special Forces. And, but I had an uncle who was like a uh, influential figure in my life. He was like a second dad to me. And he's was a retired uh, naval aviator and an airline pilot. And he kind of said, hey, you know, they have, they have, the, the Navy has special operations forces. They're called SEALs. And he gave me a book about them in Vietnam. And, you know, and, and he was always kind of like, because he was, you know, an officer. He was like, oh, you know, you want to try, you should try to get into the Naval Academy or, yeah. And I'm like, not, 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 this kid ain't, ain't cut out for that. I don't have, I don't have the, you know, the, I don't have the education chops for that. But anyway, so I decided, hey, I'm going to enlist in the Navy to be a SEAL. Uh, and again, I sucked at math. And so I missed like the, the ASVAB, the, you know, the aptitude batteries by like two points. Like uh, I was only as close because of my English was so good, but yeah, I like bombed the math part and ended up working on submarines in Connecticut for two years. Oh, really? I, I was going to, yeah, at a, uh, at a shore facility, you know, as like a Navy plumber and, you know, it was fine. It wasn't too bad. Made, made a lot of friends. But it was enough of a taste of the Navy, and I'm like, you know, this isn't for me. I'm going to stick with my goal. And, and I'm, luckily, I, I fell in with a good mentor up there, a former SEAL. And, you know, he trained a bunch of us up. And, you know, I went to Bud's in 95 and was lucky enough to go make it through the first time. And, uh, yeah, so, so that's me. Yeah, so um, I've had a couple of frogs on uh, the show. I've had uh, Bob Newman. Um, i trying to think who else. Yeah, he, was in my, uh, he was in my first platoon. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good, good mug, man. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, uh, Mark Devine was on as well. 
I think you're my, my, my third. No, 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 take that back. I've had actually two others. Uh, Mike Day and Rob Dubois were on as well. So, wow. Okay. I, I guess Lewis I've got five seals. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Buds, um, I don't think we talk a whole lot about Buds in those other episodes. Um, that in and of itself is kind of a crucible and a, and a Navy toughness program, kind of, you know, developing the toughness of the seals. Uh, do you feel that that course um, is something that helped you to prepare the, the Navy toughness program? I mean, obviously, again, I want to get more into that down the road, the Navy toughness program by itself. But as far as buds, did that have anything to do with what you ended up developing or was that uh, separate? Well, I think it was an integral part, right? When you look at, you know, one of the things, you know, we, we discussed the, dive motivator position that I filled up in Great Lakes at boot camp. And what that is for the listeners is it's a program that oversees the onboarding of folks that come in who want to be SEALs, uh, explosive ordnance disposal technicians, diver, air rescue swimmers. They come in under a contract. And so it's our job. They come in, they do all the same stuff that all the regular Navy recruits, only they come to us at like five in the morning and we run them through progressive run and swim training. And we also give them mentoring. And so when I looked at, you know, because we give them all these additional training and preparation tools and, and programs that we didn't have when, when we were going through BUDS. But, you know, cynically though, you could look at the nutrition rate and it's still, un- you know, very much the same. And so to me, it's like they're getting the physical preparation, but it's, it's up here that we need to really try to, to get in. And, and that's where I felt like effective mentoring could be the difference maker. And so back to your original question, in, in a postmortem of all the things that helped me be successful, not just in Buzz, but in my career, you know, you examine all the different things. And with that, you draw out some of the key elements that you think enabled your success. And definitely when you look at that, that formed one of the foundations when I developed the warrior mindset for the warrior toughness program that we'll get into. One of the key components was commitment. And that's the initial thing. It all starts there because you want to be better at anything. You want to be successful in the face of adversity. You know, you can do all the things in the world, but if you're not fully invested in the things that are going to enable your success, then you know, you're wasting your time. You're not going to get, you're not going to find the degree of success. And so the reason people make it through buds, you know, largely is because of that commitment. You know, you look at the people and I certainly had people to the left or right of me, much better physically prepared than I was run circles around me. Same uh, here. Better Everything. But you know, when push comes to shove, they just, they didn't have that commitment. They wanted to be a seal, but when it came time to put in the work, when it came time to pay the price, they just weren't willing to do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, same same experience here as far as uh, having guys on the left and right of me that were much more uh, physically capable than than I was. Um, and many of those guys did make it through. Um, but then, yeah, there were some that were physical studs that didn't make it through because they their motivation was wrong. Some of them, you you know, you mentioned some want to be seals, but some of them actually, I think they just want to say they went to buds. Like, um, and, and sorry, I probably need to backtrack a little bit for our listeners who may be listening to this podcast for the first time and not know what BUDS is. BUDS is an acronym. It's basic underwater demolition SEAL training. That's the SEAL training that we all go through in, in Coronado, California. And it's a kind of, it's got an infamous piece in it, Hell Week, where we have a very high attrition rate. Um, but 
Yeah. So I, I think some people honestly just want to tell people that they went to buds, not even that they were seals. And that's a, you know, a difference in mindset, difference in goals. So yeah, the, uh, the Navy warrior toughness program. So what is that all about? How did that come to be? And, and, and why did it come to be? So there, you know, Navy leadership was looking at the very real possibility that we could be engaged in naval combat, the likes in which we obviously haven't seen since World War II, but, you know, engage with peers or near peers that have a high level of capability. And that would obviously result in casualties and, and the difference maker is our sailors being able to be tougher than our opponents, to be able to think critically under stress. And so there were times, there was a couple of events that revealed that, hey, there's sailors that are rising to the occasion doing great things, but there are a lot of sailors that just in the face of that acute pressure or stress or fear, they just weren't as capable or as engaged as we feel like they needed to be. And I remember coming in in the 90s, you know, the Navy would talk about, well, if you're, if you're smart, then you join the Navy. If you're dumb, then you join the Army. And they would take this pride in, in that you don't need to be physically, you don't need to have the same level of physical fitness as, you know, as a Marine or, or, or a soldier. But the reality is you still need to train like a warrior. We become too reliant on the fact that we can, that we can push buttons and that's how we fight. And, and right. we lose the, the – we lose – you, you know, sight of the fact that, you know, when there's, when there's a fire on a ship, that when ships collide and, and, and you know, hatches or, or uh, compartments are flooding, that we need people to, to, be, to be tough and to drag their shipmates out of these burning compartments and things like that. And so we still need that. And so, you know, leadership decided we've got to make our sailors tougher. And so in 2017, I was approached and said, hey, we want you a Navy chaplain and a clinical, clinical psychologist to develop a program here with the Navy Recruit Training Command Boot Camp that makes our sailors tougher. We want you to go after using a body, mind, soul approach with physical toughness, mental toughness, and spiritual toughness. And we want you to build a program around that. And so what was interesting is we, we were all got in a room together and we we're like, well, what does this look like? And we started drawing from our experiences and what we really realized is from these three completely drastically different, you know, communities that we were all very much in agreement with what was required for people to be tough and capable. And so, of course, first thing we had to do was define all right, what exactly is toughness. So without that, we can't figure out how to really get at it um, specifically. And, and more importantly, we can't measure whether it's effective. And so we defined it as being able to take a hit and keep on going. So take a punch, like physically have, uh, you're wounded in combat, your, your teammates are, are uh, hurt in front of you, yet you need to get back up and return fire. You need to save the ship, whatever that is. But it also can mean that you're going to be able to survive those hits in your life. Meaning, you know, you loss of a relationship, loss uh, of a loved one. You didn't get that promotion you were hoping. And so you're able to get back up, get re-engaged. Uh, with the fight. The next one is to be able to perform under pressure. It's that classic, we're really, really stressed, we're angry, we're afraid, we're frustrated, yet we need to be able to stay focused, 
stay engaged and, and be effective and successful in that moment. And lastly, in is we need to survive and thrive in the day in day out grind. So you think in terms of like a six month military deployment, you know, how either if it's really, really stressful, it's what that toll that that can take on your body or just, you know, even on, on a deployment where not a lot's going on, everybody just starts to grind and kind of lose their focus towards the end. Uh, and also at the tactical level, you have people on ships standing in watch positions who may be watching a radar screen for hours at a time. And they have to be focused and engaged because 99% of the time nothing happens. But right. when it does, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people could die. So that's how we define it. And within that, we developed curriculum, initially starting with just the recruits. But then we actually had a quality, we had a quality of life survey go out to the staff members at boot camp. And what it revealed is that like in excess of 100 hours a week, these drill instructors were working. And so it was creating a huge amount of stress. And so we realized, well, hey, they need the tools as well. So we're going to give them the tools. And in so doing, they will all also be able to more seamlessly apply that in, in helping us teach the recruits. And so the program that I actually taught was I taught the drill instructors and helped with some of the other aspects. And during my time there, we actually started looking how we're going to, how we're going to export this program. And so we exported into the officer communities uh, and then we partnered with people such as the Navy Nuclear Power Training Command, you know, the 100-pound head guys and gals that are really, really smart, uh, who also have a really high attrition process as well. Uh, and, and so that's kind of where we're at. Now I see uh, the boss I used to work with is a is in, in charge of a submarine group, admiral in charge of a submarine group, and now he is running a pilot program uh, within a submarine squadrons to to – take it the, you know the next ridge line approach to how nice. we're going to use this in the fleet that's great man uh, and I, i'm really interested and i saw it in the forbes article that that uh, you had sent me a while back in uh in the fact that you were not just doing it for the recruits but also for the the drill instructors there and how did those two programs what did they actually look like what so i mean is it got during the uh, how long is boot camp now what is it eight weeks yeah it's like eight it's like nine yeah. weeks eight yeah. nine weeks uh yeah. depending so what does it look like for the recruits and then how does that differ for the drill instructors yeah and so i don't i i, I slipped my mind right now because the exact amount of hours so how it looks like for the recruits is in an overview we give the recruits different type of training so they get they get about nine hours, don't quote me on the exact, about seven, nine hours of classroom character development training. And this is where the chaplains or the ship's officers, the ones that the uh, commissioned officers that, that work in the ships, they give them some of this training on character where they use sea stories, you know, to, to say, hey, here's things that went well, here's things that didn't went well, and, and really apply to kind of the spiritual toughness. Because within making people physically tough and mentally tough, we need to make sure that they're young men and women of character. They're right. When things get murky, when things are in doubt that we can trust them, we can rely on them to make good moral and ethical and ethically based decisions. And so character is a large part of that. And so we make sure that we instill in them the traditional Navy core values. Um, and we really get them in a place where they, they, because let's be honest, people come into the military from all whole kinds of maybe a lot of them unhealthy backgrounds and with a wide variety of, of different values and beliefs. And we need to kind of take those 
and get those to where we can mold them into what's going to make a good, you know, a moral and ethical sailor. And so that's another part of it. In addition to that, the, the drill instructors, we call them recruit division commanders, but the drill instructors would lead uh, daily mindfulness exercises. We essentially meditation, but different exercises, uh, breathing exercises combined with a mindfulness element that we would call recalibrate, which is essentially when you have that high level of arousal, when that amygdala spikes and it's that fight, flight, or freeze, yeah. we, want to, we want to be able to, to have a physiological response that lowers that energy, that lowers that arousal. And we do that. And, and, and Mark Devine's re really big on this as well as the box breathing. And so yeah. we yeah. would lead them through this box breathing and we call it recalibrate. And so we, we tell them on demand. If they're freaking out, we tell them recalibrate and they would go through this. And, and as they would go through this, as they would relax, we'd start to, to, to highlight, okay, these are the specific points uh, of performance. These are the procedures you need to do to be successful in this event. So now they've lowered the energy. Now they go re-engage with that task. And, and they're usually quite uh, successful after that. And so a lot of times in the compartments in the evening, because that's when we would have time, they'd go through the mental scans, progressive muscle relaxation. You know, they, increasingly more a little more challenging uh, or, or different, more progressive type of uh, mindfulness exercises. In addition to that, we would also give them the performance psychology component, which uh, at, at, we call it just-in-time training. As an example, when they go to the swimming pool to do their initial basic swim test, for some people, you have a large segment of the population that doesn't know how to swim. For right. them, it's like a really, uh, a really stressful event but for other recruits, it's, it's, not, it's not that hard at all. But we use it as, as a medium uh, for them to start to learn performance psychology. And so this is where we use mental rehearsal or visualization. So before you get into something, you, you mentally rehearse, okay, what is it going to smell like? What is it going to feel like? And you visualize yourself being successful. And then we use a couple of different areas where we use uh, other performance psychology techniques. And so that really... That, that's really the foundation of the program at the, at the very fundamental level. It's very, very basic. Uh, and the hope is that it, essentially we, we have, we proved the concept because we ran study and control groups that we found were the, the groups, the, the divisions that got the training, their test scores were higher, their physical fitness scores were higher, their inspection, the stressful events, they performed better. And nice. most importantly, they increased what we call their on-time graduation rates, meaning that a lot of times when these uh, recruits would get stressed, uh, you know, they'd want to kind of take a break. They'd be like, oh, you know, my, I'm sick. I got to go to medical, you know, or right. they get rolled back to the, the class behind them uh, because they just wanted a timeout. And so now we realize with this training that they are more engaged, that they're able to kind of cope better. And so we're getting, we're getting a, a less of these recruits taking a knee less of these recruits escaping and more like engaged and graduating of course that means that's cost savings to the government that's more uh vital seats being filled in the fleet faster nice nice that's i mean that's awesome to hear that they're doing that and that they're seeing those results there at boot camp in graduating higher numbers of the classes and and that they're doing better in everything that's requiring the stress what about once they get to the fleet? Is there any type of tracking of those same individuals that have received the Navy toughness training um, and how they are performing in the fleet? Like, like Buds, for example, or, you know, some of the guys that maybe went through uh, uh, boot camp. 
got the Warrior Toughness program and then went to Buds. Is there any type of tracking on that? You know, I know that that's something I, I don't know right now. I don't, I don't have the answer whether they're doing that right now. When I was in, they haven't, they were talking about obviously doing that. We need to know. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, I go back to what, what it is, is really a proof of concept because if you get this training, you, you know, and this is where people are like, Oh, well, you don't even know this stuff when you get to the fleet because it's just, you're given this training, but if it atrophies, if it's not continued, then it's not going to be of huge benefit. Now, right, the, right. the recruits that continue to stay engaged, that continue to use the mindfulness and, and the performance psychology techniques that are deliberate about that, th that will definitely help them. But if they just don't revisit the stuff, you know, it's like, yeah, I got in great shape in boot camp and never worked out again. What do you think is going to happen, right? Of course, you're going to be a, you know, a slob. But yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> you've got to continue, but you've got to start somewhere. And so you've got to start somewhere. And, and for me, that was proving that this is works. And from now it's, it's a really a big challenge to figure out, okay, now we go to the service schools, as we say, the A schools, the follow on training, what does that look like? And then what does that look like when they actually get to the fleet? And so, you know, the nuclear and the submarine commu community has been really big. And that's why we partnered with the Admiral that initially started this program he had a relationship with those that were down in the, in the nuclear power training command, which runs all the, all the nuke schools, right. For the Navy. And again, very, very, very stressful training, very difficult academically, you know, in the same way buds is, is, is more physically demanding. This is, you know, you know, mentally demanding in that sense, uh, academically. And so we started building pilots. We, we built that partnership so we could kind of determine, okay, what's the next phase? When people leave boot camp, how do we implement training? How do we now ramp the training up so it's a little bit more and they can put it in this context of this training environment? And so that same admiral is now in, in charge of one of the submarine groups. And so he's running these pilot programs that's now going to show us how we use this in the fleet. And so I think once we start to, to grow that, once we start to, to have that, then, then we'll be able to probably better track what that looks like. Right. Um, because again, I, you know, it's the end of the day, if you just get this very basic exposure boot camp and do nothing with it, it's a very limited value. Sure. No. And, and I know, um, Dr. Amishi Jaw and, uh, general Walter Pyatt, um, the Dr. Amishi Jaw is the neuroscientist down at the university of Miami. And she's done, you know, studies where they, I think they do eight weeks of uh, mindfulness training, mindfulness-based awareness trainings, MBAT, for special operators, and, and they've started to introduce it to the Army. And I think that's what they've seen, too, is that, you know, that initial, right after that eight weeks of training, the, the soldiers are doing better focusing, uh, doing better with stress, doing better, getting better sleep, you know, the whole list. Um, but then as they kind of atrophy just like the gym, just like working out, it does drop off your, your level of success. So, um, yeah, so you, a chaplain and a psychologist, uh, that sounds like, like the beginning of a bad joke. You know? It is. They, you know, we, <laughs> the joke was that it was a joke. We'd always like start off every brief to like a, a senior officer, a congressman or whatever, a Navy SEAL, a chaplain, a psychologist walk into a bar. Yeah, exactly. You know, but we never really figured out anything funny <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm curious what the punchline would be so 
yeah, at, uh, among you three, like, how did you decide that, that there would be a mindfulness aspect to it? And, and, uh, and then once you did decide that, when you took it to leadership and you presented it, hey, this is what it's going to consist of. It's going to have, you know, character building, uh, you know, leadership, stress, stress reduction, everything else. Oh, and then by, by the way, it's also going to have mindfulness. How was that? Well, the psychologist, uh, super smart, uh, young officer, and she, I learned a lot from her and I, I just loved, I like really latched on to, to a lot of the stuff that, that she was teaching. She really reached out to all the different communities. She reached out, obviously NSW was a big one. When I went through buds, we didn't really have anything in the way of deliberate kind of performance psychology or sports psychology techniques. Right. I know Mark talks a lot about the big four and, and we didn't really necessarily have that, but you, what you realize is certain things become intuitive. You learn how to visualize and mentally rehearse yourself. It's like, we do that. We learn how to, you know, set goals. We learn how to, to engage in, in, in effective self-talk. But, and so she got that from NSW, but she also looked at other programs where this had been tried, where the army tried this and they, they have a, a host of different programs, but the one she was, would refer to what was that they had experts come in and deliver this, this program. And then they left. And so ultimately it was not successful because it really wasn't grown as kind of an insurgency, whereas we grew it internally. And so when you're, when you're, you're, uh, you're growing it internally and you are doing the, 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 the care and feeding of that program, then it's going to start to grow those roots. And so she reached out, you know, studied that army program. She, and obviously who are the people that have been doing this type of stuff at a, at a tactical style level, right? It's, it's been the athletes, you know, who have been doing performance psychology, who have been doing right. mindfulness. And so the research is there. And so you and the Marine Corps was doing it as well. I think I mentioned that. And so the research was all there and it's easy to say, Hey, these are what the studies show. Why wouldn't we do this? Uh, and so it's not like we were the very first ones to try it, but I believe we were the first ones to really look at it from that holistic sense, from that body, mind, soul, and, and on board, you know, we didn't say meditation. We called it mindfulness exercises um, because we, we know it's effective, but you know, the hard part is, you know, people would always say, oh, I can't believe you're going to get seals to, to, to meditate. And you're like, it's not really what you, it, they're much easier to get on board than you would think. Because as like elite athletes, they're all looking for that edge. Sure. Very, very competitive, just like athletes. And if there's going to be something that's going to let them be more engaged, more focused, regulate their emotions better then then most seals are going to be on board with that. Uh, we did not necessarily find that to be the case in the fleet. You'd have a lot of these old dog uh, drill instructors who were like, I was successful. I don't need this crap. So <laughs> we had a hard time, a hard time sometimes, uh, you know, breaching that. But what we did have was the people, like the recruits are always on board because they're just like, oh, okay, this is what the Navy does. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Uh, and, and those that had never been drill instructors, when they got the training, they really, really got on board quickly. Uh, but when it was all said and done, we had a, a with all that, all that said, we had a high degree of buy-in. Nice. Uh, and so, yeah. And so we were very satisfied with that. And then since you've left uh, Great Lakes and you've kind of started your own gig, 
do you keep track of or do you have any idea how the program is going now? Uh, you know, I haven't been super engaged with what they're doing. I, I still talk with uh, the one psychologist a lot. You know, she and I are friends and, and we maintain uh, content. She gives me like basic updates. And I think, you know, and I, it's definitely something I want to re-engage with. I think it's still tracking. We're, it's still growing. Obviously not as fast as we would like. Um, but yeah, I've kind of, uh, to be completely frank, I've diverted my energy in, in a couple of different areas, but yeah, sure. it's something I need to, I need to keep, you know, stay on track on, but they forwarded me that email about the, the program in, in the submarine group that they're, that they're using. And so I was in, interested in that. Definitely. Definitely. So, uh, I referenced that Forbes article that you had sent to me earlier. And in that Forbes article, you, uh, specifically mentioned that, mindfulness was a game changer for you and your ability to maintain emotional control. How and when were you personally introduced to meditation? Was it during this, this training for the warrior program, the, uh, the warrior toughness program, or is that something that you had before? Uh, so I was, for, it is, you know, I'll, I'll go back. I'll add on, I'll add on that. One of the things that was really, really, and I, and I touch on this a lot when I talk about this, is it was really important. You know, I, I mentioned the holistic piece, body, mind, soul. But what was really, really important to me was the consistency piece. Because one of the big failures in, in my career was not being, was being able to, like, when I'm at work, I can be, you know, I can, I can be focused on, under those kind of combat stresses. But, but in my family life, it would be harder for me to have that same level of, of composure that same level of focus and so it was important to me to say hey the skills you can use to make you a better operator are the same that's the same approach you can use to make you a better leader in your house to make you better in all the other areas and so it was really important that we try to approach that as a way of making sure that there's consistency in what we teach consistency in the sense that it can be applied it can be these techniques and this philosophy philosophy can be applied broadly uh where I was exposed to it initially was NICO. Have you been, I don't know if you went to NICO or. Yeah, I went through the uh, warrior concussion clinic down here uh, at, at Portsmouth. I, I wasn't able to cut away from, from family for that, that amount of time. And but, yeah, that's awesome. And so for, for those that don't know, this is another probably rabbit hole, but there's this great program that's run by a grant and it's up and it sits right next to the, uh, Bethesda Army or uh, Walter Reed uh, Hospital up there in Bethesda, Maryland, and it stands for National Intrepid Center of Excellence. And again, it's a grant-run program. And the great thing about that is, I mentioned holistic. Basically, any issues from the neck up gets you in the door. Whether it's PTS, whether it's uh, uh, TBI, traumatic brain injury, that gets you in there. And, and once you're in there, though, they treat the body holistically and you go and you get from head to toe internal medicine uh family psychologists psychiatrists um uh physical therapists i mean they go they do brain scans and within that i was, it was the first time i was exposed to acupuncture yoga music therapy art therapy uh and meditation and mindfulness and it was just so much and and i just it's just it was a phenomenal program but i didn't quite latch on to the meditation piece as much as i as much as i should have or could have uh and, and I, a little bit but once i really started learning more about it 
once we did the warrior toughness program, then I started using it like every day, uh, nice. not every day is I like to say, but regularly the ga- the goal was to do it every day. Did yeah. I miss that? That sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I get I woke it. Up late, I woke up late today and I wanted to go out and get my walk in before it started pouring. So I'll have to make up my, um, my meditation later. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a, a mindfulness exercise in and of itself, getting out there and walking. It may not be formally meditating, but you're out there in the, in the, uh, I guess trying to get the walk in before the rain. So I was going to say in the rain, but, <laughs> but yeah, you're out well, there and, you know, noticing what's going on around you, paying attention to your sensations. That's mindfulness, right? Well, it's so. not, it can be. And I've, I, I definitely <laughs> use it like that, yeah. but I am, what I use the, I use, I used to listen to podcasts, right. When I go okay. out and, and walk or education. And now what I do is I, I go over content. Oh yeah. I basically yeah. just reflect and I go over what I what I want to think about. I go over how I can connect themes with the world and what I want to talk about. Uh, but what I do try to do is when I when I like do weight strength workouts, I try to be very mind. I, I try to use mindfulness when I do that to nice. you know, to help strengthen that mind body connection. Sure. Uh, and sometimes when I'm driving, not that I've been doing much of that lately. Right. But I will use I will use driving. I will use sometimes. Uh, you know, eating or drinking as, as, as mediums to, to practice mindfulness. Nice, man. So yeah, you mentioned, uh, your, your content and, you know, thinking through that and then developing leadership stuff. Uh, you're a leadership consultant now. So how's that going? Uh, it's going well, not as obviously as, as well as it would have before this, because you know what I, what really lights me up, what I really like doing is obviously engaging in, in person. I like doing, uh, you know, workshops. I like doing, uh, you know, the, the keynote style talks and things like that. But, you know, like, like all of us, you know, we have to figure out how we're going to, we're going to flex, we're going to adapt. And, and so it's a great opportunity now for me to invest in different ways that I can get my message out. And so I think it initially started like when this thing first happened, I had a former client reach out to me and say, Hey, can you just hop on a call? Uh, you know, we're, are, we want we're doing a, a, we're doing a, the team's doing a call. We would love for you to just hop on a call, talk about some stuff for a little while. And then we just want to do a Q and a session. And so, and then I, and so I'm like, all right, great. So this wasn't something that I offered. And then I reached out to organizations and said, Hey, look, uh, previous clients that I worked with, I'm going to offer you this for just for free, you know, just because I want to, I want to be useful. I want to provide some kind of value. Right. Uh, and some people will bring me in to, to you know, and they're going to obviously pay me and compensate me, which is, which is great too. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but, I, is. but a lot of it is I talk, you know, and I, and I don't just give the off the shelf. I try not to give the off the shelf experience, but I got to get a sense of how their organization is doing. One, one client, they are busier than ever because they're, you know, an IT solutions company and they're now like really trying to work hard to resource these areas, these, these industries that aren't typically doing anything remotely. So they're really, really busy. Whereas another organization are like, we're, we're kind of stuck right now. We don't like business has really dropped off. How, how can we adapt? And so I kind of will, will really have to understand what the world's looking like to the audience in which I'm engaged with, right? Are they stressed uh, because they are worried about their jobs because they are stressed with their family situation or are they stressed because they're not busy enough? 
or they stress because they're so busy and they can't. So there's a lot of different dynamics there. Yeah. So I will figure out exactly, you know, how I want to attack that. Do I want to apply a leadership kind of model or do I want to just say, Hey, let's use this as an opportunity to invest in every employee. Let's talk about meditation. Let's talk about self-care. Let's talk about, you know, how to balance our lives. Uh, you know, we can be effective outside our walls and in our walls at the same time. And so it kind of, kind of depends. Um, but Nice. Yeah, well, I like to just say, hey, we're going to talk leadership or we're going to talk individual management, right? Right. Yeah. It sounds like you've incorporated some of what you helped to develop in the Warrior Toughness Program into what it is you're doing now in the, in the consulting world. So that's, that's good to see. As far as when you mentioned meditation uh, to those in the corporate world, what's, uh, what's the typical response there? you know, it's, it's going to be mixed. And I know that going in, it's like something, you know, and I always have to say, Hey, I full disclosure here as a, uh, I never thought I'd be a, you know, a 46 year old Navy SEAL talking about hippie meditation. <laughs> stuff, right. Yeah. Maybe. Same here. Same here. Right? But, but again, but I try to say, Hey, I only do it because it's effective. I only yep. do it because the research proves that it's effective as a tool. And because anecdotally, it's been, you know, a huge benefit to me. And, right. you know, a lot of people are going to be resistant, but a lot of people are going to say, hey, you know, they're going to they're gonna take me at my word and they're going to say, all right, well, this is effective. Uh, let me at least listen and then let me do some additional research and, and, and practice it as well. And it's just, you know, I'm not, I am not, you know, I don't have the degree of expertise that you do. I certainly don't have the degree of expertise that, that, a, uh, that a psychologist does or, or somebody that's really studied in that. But what I do bring is it's just, and again, it's just one tool that, 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 that I use. But I think what we as SEALs, we are the people that are, are, are using it. Right. We're the people that know what it's like to have to use those skills when it really counts. And so I think we're well positioned to, to speak about what it's done for us and to say, hey, here are the basics, uh, you know, because when I talk, I really, ins I won't, I hope to inspire or persuade somebody to learn more. And, and I go, I'm like, this is how I use it. I use mostly the, 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 the things that I learned uh, from my psychologist uh, peer, but also I, I use Headspace on my phone and, you know, yep. I'm not, I'm not an expert, but learn more, please. I don't think there's such thing as an expert in this field, man. I think it's a uh, constantly learning, constantly developing uh, and constantly improving. I used Headspace this morning. I, I love that app. I think it's, uh, it's very, very soothing and uh, very straightforward. And, and, and uh, for me, uh, kind of an knuckle dragger, it's very simple. So I, I enjoy that one. What about you personally, as far as like in your consulting gig, you know, maybe before a presentation or a keynote, do you ever do some of the breathing drills that, that you've, uh, you know, learned through NICO or through the Warrior Toughness Program? Absolutely. And, it, you know, I think I absolutely have. One of the first, when I, one of the first times that I actually, once I really started, like I mentioned that recalibrate drill. Right? Yeah. To, to, to use a little bit of mindfulness, but also to, to use the, um, to have a physiological response. And I remembered it was before my father's eulogy a couple of years back. And I was concerned that maybe emotionally I would not be able to get through it. And it was effective to me that I do it in order to honor him. And so it was important that I, that I get through that. And so, right. As I'm, at the, you know, the, the service, the, the person before me is up there speaking and, and I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm doing that exercise. 
and wow. I'm lowering that energy. I'm getting more present and and able to, to, to just get through it. And, and I, and that I was able to do it. And I, and I attribute that technique to, to helping me. And, you know, and then I invite anybody, you know, you can't just all of a sudden recall this. You can't be like, Oh yeah, do this breathing thing. And then all of a sudden somebody cuts me off in traffic and I'm just <laughs> going to be able to bring that technique to bear. No, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to try it. Right. But, but right. really when you're, you know, I'm doing that kind of breathing when I'm meditating anyway, it's that diaphragmatic breathing you know, I'm not necessarily like we would prescribe an inhalation, a di inhaling through your diaphragm, through your nose and your diaphragm for six seconds, hold for two seconds, exhale for seven seconds, hold for two, repeat. And then we would, we would add some, some visual visualization uh, drills in that as well. But, the, you know, and that's just a very, very general, everybody's going to kind of have their own kind of time. You sure. can kind of measure that out with certain apps. But uh, I do that when I'm doing my meditation, like I start every meditation with breathing, you know, and that's what they say. Well, you know, I don't know when you start to, when your mind wanders, which it, everybody's does, of course, yeah. that's part of the process. You know, the breathing is, is, as my psychologist would say, the breathing is always the, the first thing that you can try because you can't breathe for yesterday. You can't breathe for tomorrow. It's the only thing you can do, you know, presently. And so breathing is a good way to reconnect. And so I think that it's an important component of, of kind of bringing yourself back, bringing your focus back, your attention back. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to put that one in the show notes. That's a, that's a great one to share that you're breathing for the now. So, well, this is all, this is all great, brother. It's, uh, it sounds like you're doing really well. Uh, and it sounds like you're teaching some very important uh, skills to people and you've taught it in the past to the to the recruits and the recruit uh, drill instructors there at, at Great Lakes. So what's uh, what's next for you, man? You know, I'm going to guess I'm going to keep putting out content. You know, I keep I do these little videos of, of very, very low production value. You know, we were talking about this before. I'm like, you know, I always I, I think I'll put a caveat out there that says, hey, you know, when I talk about, you know, leadership content if you require high production value or green screens and all that then i'm not your guy you look, <laughs> look elsewhere but uh, i stand by you know i believe in the content that i have i believe in its value and what, what could help uh, the individual in the organization accomplish uh and so i'm going to keep doing that i'm keep putting that out just to see at the end of the day you know i feel very very fortunate you know i when it when all else fails i still have that that military retirement my wife ha ha works and so I can still figure out a way to get my message out with webinars, with WebExes and all that kind of stuff. But uh, again, it's just, just trying to be of some kind of value. Uh, and, and then know that, you know, whenever it is, whether it's a year from now, even if it's a year and a half, that eventually I'll be back doing the things that I really like being in front of people, being able to engage directly. Uh, and so I kind of, I have that in mind. So I, I have to work towards that content piece as well. Sure. Well, that's awesome, man. If, uh, if people wanted to see that content and kind of follow you, what's the best way for them to, to reach out to you or follow you on, on different platforms? Yeah. I mean, I do a lot of stuff. I, I try to swim in LinkedIn a lot, mostly, uh, you know, and I'll do some stuff on Facebook, a little bit on Instagram. I need to be better at that. I'm not a, yeah. And, yeah. I haven't figured then, out the Instagram piece yet either. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to bad mouth Instagram, but yeah, it's, it's everybody loves it. Right. Everybody yeah. loves it, but I yeah. haven't used it a lot yet. Uh, and then it might reach me out. If you have a question, if you want to talk about any of this stuff with me, uh, feel free to hit me out. You can reach me on LinkedIn or you can, you can go out to, uh, Email me at Steve 
at stephendrum.com, steve at S-T-E-P-H-E-N, drum, D-R-U-M.com. And I'll be happy to, to answer your questions. Awesome, man. Well, we're coming to the end of the show. What have we uh, not discussed that you want to make sure we talk about? You know, this ain't my first podcast. Yeah. And, and people ask me that, and I'm never prepared for that question. <laughs> <laughs> so what does that say about me, right? Uh, <laughs> no, um, man, we've hit a lot. Yeah. A lot. yeah and I just, want, I, re- I just want to reiterate that there are a lot of things that maybe the military doesn't do as well as corporate, but there's a lot of things that military does do and that is just fundamental leadership development and i think now is a good time when we can look at giving our people some more intentional some more deliberate leadership training you know we do that so well in the military almost from day one you're developed as a leader whereas in in the corporate or business world sometimes like hey that person's really good at their job let's fleet them up to a let's promote them and and a lot of times that doesn't uh, that doesn't end in, in a successful uh, endeavor. And so what I think right now is let's we have, we have new managers, we have new people that we identify as future leaders in our organization. Let's go ahead and, and figure out how we can give them some fundamental leadership training to, to set them up for success. Nice. Hey, that sounds like you prepared for that uh, that last question. So well done. <laughs> well, Dromi, thanks so much for for coming on the show today, man. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed having you with me here today. Hey, thanks, John. It's been great. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, until we speak again, stay safe and stay healthy. You too. All right. For our listeners and viewers, thank you again for listening to or watching our show. Please check out Veterans Path online at veteranspath.org. We too are on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. If you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the subscribe button here on the podcast or here on YouTube. Leave us a comment, a review, a like, and again, share it with anyone you feel needs to hear our message. And remember, you can directly support Veterans Path by clicking on the support button on the podcast or by visiting veteranspath.org forward slash donate. Thank you all and have a blessed day. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Veterans Path Podcast. Please follow us on social media and think about sharing your story with us there and potentially on the show. Together, we can make mental health a priority, improving and saving lives. 